There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into this week's Sneakers and Cleats podcast. Um, as always, I'm Matt Royd. This week, just joined by Don, who is more than enough because you've had a while. A wild week. And congratulations to Chuck, man, for what yeah. he's off. His daughter got married this weekend. Yeah, Chuck got married, or Chuck's daughter got married on Saturday. So congratulations to them. Yeah. Very, very happy time for the Mikotinic family. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a good reason to be off on the pod this week. <laughs> so last thing on his mind is sports this week. You married off your firstborn daughter. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine how emotional that was for him. You know he worked in some heavy metal into the father-daughter dance. You know he had to have done that. <laughs> I don't know if you can get away with it at a wedding. I don't know. We'll see. But he would, it, was in, it was playing in his head no matter what was played over the speaker. There was German beer there somewhere, and there was heavy metal somewhere going on. That's all I know about Chuck Mikatani. Most likely. <laughs> well, um, Don, you have had a whirlwind of a week. You finally get some sleep. We're filming this. On, yeah. Recording this on a Sunday. So yeah. After the Wimby press conference yesterday, uh, I got watched a movie, sat on the sofa and went to bed like eight 30. So <laughs> I'm doing good. Good. I mean, uh, we're going to talk about your time in New York. I mean, you went to Brooklyn. You were there Wednesday, Thursday, yep. came back Friday, Wemby's arrival Friday uh, at the airport, and then covered the press conference and the rookie uh, welcome yesterday. So, I mean, it was – it was. have you really ever had a week that busy? Like, oh, yeah. How long, how long has it been since you've done a week that busy since the Spurs? Oh, it's been a while. Right? It's been since the Spurs were in the playoffs. But, you know, back in the day when, when they were in the playoffs, those, those were – there were sometimes 40 days straight where you never had a day off and you would you would be in LA for a a game 4 or something and get back to your room at 11:30 or 12 Laker time western you know uh Pacific time which was like 1:30 here and you'd get 2 hours and then get to the airport and fly back and then land and have to come in and, and work until 11 the next day. And then the next day was game five and you're up at eight o'clock going to shoot around. So, <laughs> so there were, there were times where there was, you know, 40 days in a row of that. Probably since what, 2014 though? It's been, no, it's been, it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been, been a little since, while. Yeah. Cause I mean, once they, once they got the lottery pick, once they knew that they were going to have number one, it's been planning basically since March or May 16th yeah. until Wednesday. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then, um, this week was crazy and Vegas week will be crazy. And then it's Cowboys camp. So we're getting into it, man. I mean, the Spurs, I was talking to RC Buford about this at, uh, um, the Wemby press conference yesterday. Uh, we were talking about pop and there's some new adrenaline everywhere. I think. You know, it's not that Wemby makes Pop more interested because Pop never lost interest. He loves teaching these guys. But there's a new uh, adrenaline flowing through the entire organization from Pop. Oh, for sure. For sure. But, you know, I, I found it interesting with Pop, though, specifically because people say, oh, when's he going to retire? He's old and he's this and he's that. And does he care? Heck, yeah, he cares. <laughs> but 
the addition of Wembenyama, just just like the rest of us, I like covering the Spurs. I like covering the Spurs no matter what. But it's a shot of adrenaline for everybody that it's not that you care more, but it's on. You know, it's like you feel juiced like up now. It's juiced. Yeah, and and I think that's that's evident everywhere. All right, but before we get into too much of, of the week, you guys were in Brooklyn for three days with uh, with the best photographer in the world, Jack, Jack Green. Jack um, Green. You guys have any any interesting stories this week? Any anything? Ha- Jack crazy did, did not wear his Crocs this week. I don't know why. What? He, he didn't wear them yesterday. Maybe maybe he wore them some in New York. Uh, uh, there were a little bit of rough spots getting out um, with the airline. We had a, we sat on the tarmac for a little while. Uh, here's what I'll say about Brooklyn and New York. The worst food there is some of the best food I've ever had in my life. Like (laughs) you don't have time to eat when you're working on the road. Um, you have to step out and grab something and come back and get right back to editing or whatever. There was a place called my little pizza parlor, which was literally next door to our hotel. And this is a crowded New York street, mind Mm -hmm. you. You didn't, there was no place to sit down. It was one of those counter places. You just walk up, order a slice, and stand at the counter and eat it. Best slice of cheese. I had one slice of cheese and one slice of margarita pizza. Best slice of cheese of pizza I've ever had in my life. Unbelievable. Then when Jack and I were down at the West in Times Square, Times Square, by the way, is gone. Oh, my goodness. What a scene Times Square is. Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, people talk about San Francisco, you know, crime and people robbing CVSs and not even being nobody caring. People are smoking weed down the street in Times Square, <laughs> blowing it in the faces of cops. It's like Colorado. <laughs> it's, I, I, I couldn't believe uh, totally naked chicks who are have body paint um, taking pictures with people. Uh, it's a, Is this Vegas or New York? <laughs> it was crazy. Times Square was a madhouse. But Right, we were the, all the NBA stuff was at the West End Times Square. I was like, I went downstairs to concierge and said, "Hey man, where's the place, the quickest place to grab a salad or a sandwich for lunch?" He goes, "Right here, man. Right up around the corner. There's this little European deli, whatever." I go in there, and it's like a bakery counter, kind of like a Panera, you know, where they have all the bread behind there. And I'm looking up, and they got all these sandwiches. And I go, "You know what?" But I'm in New York City. I said, "How about a hot pastrami?" And she, and she goes, with Swiss? And I said, how about provolone? She goes, what kind of roll you want? I said, oh, that one right there, like a hoagie roll. Dude, it was the greatest sandwich <laughs> I ever ate in my entire life. And again, it's just this little hole in the wall, just like the pizza place was. And then I had breakfast at uh, Junior's, which is world famous in Brooklyn. Frank Sinatra, JFK, everybody in the world ever going way back to 1929 has eaten at Junior's. And uh, one of the best omelets I've ever had in my life. They're famous for their cheesecake, New York cheesecake. They're number one. They're number one in the world in cheesecake. I didn't get cheesecake. But anyway, I just have to give the food a big thumbs up in Brooklyn and New York. (laughs) Well, I've never been to New York, but now I really want to go. And I'm hungry. So thanks for that. Yeah. Um, Well, let's go through the week. So Wednesday was media day. First time you were able to lay eyes on Wemby in person. Hear him talk. Ask him a question. What What was the feeling that you got on that day? What was the feeling of the room? He had his own room, right? Like yeah. there, was, there was two media rooms, and there was like Wemby and then everybody else. 
Yeah, and we've been going to these things for a long time, and usually it's you know a round top table with a guy and four or five media. In fact, this was uh, this week. I I got Casey Wallace one on one for a long period of time. I was the only guy at his table, and his brother Keaton played at UTSA. He's a Dallas kid, and he's got drafted by the Mavs. Uh, but this was a couple days before, the day before. It's like that, you know, four or five cameras, maybe two or three, a couple of reporters, a print re- reporter. Uh, very informal, and you're just able to sit and talk to these guys while they sit at the table. Not for Wimby. Wimby was full Super Bowl press conference. Um, we counted probably 115, 120 media members in there. In that one room. Probably 20 cameras. But he was at a table, you know, up there. It was a full press conference type setup. Um, and the first thing that, that strikes you about him is just how comfortable he is in all of it. Not a bit of nerves. And 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 the other takeaway that I've had for the whole week is this is an incredibly empathetic, compassionate, um, caring human being who gets it life compared to basketball. Um, way more than a lot of the other ones that were there. And these kids are all 19 years old and, and he's, he's 29 going on 19 and, uh, he's well read. He's into art. He's into music. Um, smart, witty, funny. Uh, those are the things that, that, that jumped out right away. And the fact that he really wants to be in San Antonio. That's what I was going to ask you next. This is the question you asked him um, at that press conference about what he's feeling coming going into the day about the team that at that point might have drafted him. Right. Couldn't officially say it. Don Harris, WAI, NBC, San Antonio. Welcome to San Antonio, Victor. Not yet, but not here yet, but yeah. Thank you. I've seen your impressions of San Antonio on on your tweets. Your impressions of San Antonio fans. Can you talk a little about what growing up a Tony Parker fan? your impressions of San Antonio fans, and are you uh, ready for what's coming on Friday when you arrive? You know, for me, San Antonio is synonym of winning. And um, it's uh, when uh, on lottery night, you know, when the when the Spurs got the number one pick, I was I was just thinking, I was, I was feeling lucky that they got the pick uh, as, a, as a franchise that has that culture. And that that uh, that experience in 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 winning and in making creating good players, you know. So I, I really can't wait. Did you get the same feeling that of what he's saying? Of where he seems like he really wants to be here. Like there was nowhere else that out of the twenty nine other organizations in the NBA, he didn't want to be anywhere else. And that's the feeling that he's trying to exude. And did you get that same feeling in that room? The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. I don't know if this was like, I think this was choice number one. But I do think if he would have gone to a couple of other cities, he would have been fine. Um, but I do think San Antonio was choice number one. 
What's interesting is I don't know if it was for some of those surrounding him because from a marketing standpoint, uh, being in San Antonio might cost him some money. If he was in New York or L.A. or uh, some other big big market city, they weren't really in the mix. Houston and Detroit are both fairly decent-sized markets. Looked like he didn't want to go to Houston. Um, And I don't know about Detroit, but but San Antonio, his, his marketing people are going to have their work cut out for him. Um, but I think it can happen, and I think it will happen. Uh, he's already on his Nike deal. Yeah, and he's on his way, uh, as we speak, tomorrow to go to Portland to meet with Nike. So he's always got his Nike deal. It's just it's just going to be a little more. It's the same reason LeBron eventually went to L.A. Um, you know, it's, it's millions versus billions mm-hmm. when you're in New York or L.A. compared to San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, but I think he's, you know. I think he's going to be very, very happy from the basketball perspective, and that's what he cares about as a 19-year-old with Pop and what he found out later with the dinner with the legends is, you know, this is a city and a culture and a a franchise. This is the best franchise for him. Yeah, something uh, with structure. It's almost like it's something like he would rather be here or like with the heat or something. Someone that has that culture that keeps you accountable and makes you play hard shows you the way that the right way and develops you and develops you correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, player development is the key. You know, people forget Kawhi Leonard couldn't play dead when he got here and Tony Parker couldn't shoot a lick. And the Spurs had a plan for Kawhi. They turned him into a great defender first and Chip England turned him in just like he did with Tony, turned him into a, a a shooter um, and an offensive threat. So the Spurs are going to be, the best place for him to develop as a player, because quite honestly, with all the the hype around him is one thing, and this prospect thing is one thing. But today, he's not a great basketball player. He's a great talent, but he needs to be developed. Right, and, and, and he as will. Most be. people do when Absolutely. they come out of college or come out of Europe or whatever. Absolutely. No one comes in a ready-made player. Brandon Miller is light years ahead of him, and was taken number two. Mm-hmm. Brandon Miller will will make an impact tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if Wemby does not win Rookie of the Year just because, like Scoot and and Brandon Miller, they're going to get the ball. They're going to oh, go. Yeah. They're they're going to. I feel like with the Spurs, it's going to be a slow burn. I don't think know? he's the Rookie of the Year. No, and he's the overwhelming favorite just because of the hype that's surrounding him. But you also have Chet Holmgren's coming back this year. You he's- have all these guys that are going to probably put up way bigger stats than he is because they're going to focus on the development of him. He will be way more All NBAs. MVPs, finals MVPs, but rookie of the year, the team is not ready to win yet. Right. So that gets us to draft day. You know, he had his first pitch, he had, which wasn't very good, <laughs> but <Awful. laughs> at Yankee Stadium, it seems like everybody doesn't know how to throw a first pitch. Awful. It's not, it wasn't as bad as 50 cent. Don't so. overthrow. <laughs> so he, had, he did all that. And then you get to Thursday. How many, how many drafts have you? Have you covered? How many drafts have you been to? Like in the room? When oh, it, when oh it not many. Four or five. How was this as compared to that? Like, because because number one was a foregone conclusion. Like okay. everybody knew the Spurs were going to take them. How was Thursday? What was I the feeling w- in that Barclays Center? To tell you the truth, Matt, I was in an elevator when the Spurs took him. Um, <laughs> number one, we had a, an hour special that ended at seven o'clock, right? And because he was the number one pick, they took him at like seven o seven or whatever it was. And so we were trying to get down there. 
the room is um, it, the draft is very. It's it's a lot like being at a regular season game. Um, I tell you this, my biggest takeaway from it was that a lot of Spurs fans made the trip there, um, but they've turned the green room now <clears throat> into the entire court. Mm-hmm. So all the families are sitting on the floor at the Barclays Center. There's carpet down and all that, sofas and everything, but um, tables. And, and then the fans are in the bowl. Uh, in the old days, uh, the fans and the teams were in the bowl and the players were behind a curtain in the green room. Well, now the green room is out in the open and you can see them all. Right. So it's not a it's not a great environment. To be at live, it's uh, it's it's just as good on TV. Much different than the NFL draft, where it's a complete spectacle. Three hundred thousand people. Yeah. yeah, like it's a complete spectacle now. You saw what happened yeah. this year in Kansas City when they were just flooded uh, the uh, Union Station. So yeah, yeah, yeah. My son went to that, and and it's a completely different beast. Right. And the the overwhelming takeaway from this draft that I'm getting feedback on is how. It was unwatchable. It wasn't very good on on air on TV. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get to a little bit after he got drafted. He you, you didn't know if he would be emotional because like you right. knew he was going to be number one. He he has known that for almost a year, probably over a year. And so no matter who it was, he was going to be taken number one. But the the emotion that he showed afterwards in the in that interview and in in the press conferences was actually kind of surprising to me. So let's, let's hear a little bit of that. He's just accomplishing something that I've been dreaming of, you know, my whole life. Hearing that that sentence from Adam Silver, you know, I, I've dreamed of it so so much that, you know, I, I got to cry, you know. I'm a, I'm a dance bird. Can't really describe it, you know, still fresh. But uh, one of the best feeling of my life, you know. Probably the best night of my life. I've been dreaming about this for so long. It's just, it's a dream come true. It's incredible. Don Harris, WAINBC San Antonio. There's an arena full of people going crazy in San Antonio. And people are driving down the streets, honking yeah. horns and going nuts. What's your message to San Antonio Spurs fans as they go crazy? I need, to, I need to see the footage of this. Uh, my message to them, you know, um, is um, I'm going to make, I'm going to give 100%. Make every, all, all, all that's in my power to, to make this franchise win. You know, to have impact on the franchise and the fan base and the community. I'm really glad. You know, I've, I've felt so much love towards me by the Spurs fans ever since May 16th. You know, there's, I think there's murals of me in, in the city of San Antonio. This is so incredible. You know, I, I could not ask for a better welcome than this. I really love the fan base, man. What strict has struck me and has been said by everybody from Sean Elliott to the GM to RC Buford to Pop is the maturity of the young man. Yeah. I mean, you you said that earlier. He just he either has the best team around him that has ever done PR, or True. he or he is forty five years old in a nineteen year old's body, or a little bit of both. It's both. It's like both. It's, it's insane. Yeah, and and I think it was because first of all, I think we have to give credit to him. Because at like 13, he said, uh, I, I, I want to learn English. English is the language of basketball. And if I and I am going to be a basketball great, so I need to learn English. So tip your cap to the young man for, for wanting to do that. Then his parents are incredibly smart and grounded and experienced in athletics. 
And they surrounded him with the right coaches, agents, and uh, uh, training and medical. He, he for, for a long period of time, this kid has been well prepared by parents who saw the potential. And it's, I mean, it's not hard to see it when he was 6'11 in the fourth grade or whatever it was, <laughs> right? And I mean, like so much taller than, than the dads coaching his teams, much less the kids. Um, so they, they prepared for many, many years for this, but I think part, part of it's just innate. He's just a, he's a smart, thoughtful human who also has a great group around him. Buna, his agent, who's based out of Dallas, he's got, I mean, he's got a French agent and he's got an American agent and there's nothing they haven't thought of. So afterwards, Right after he was picked, Pop talked, and Pop kind of talked a little bit like Pop does. Like, what do you want me to do, a somersault? Like, it's a 19-year-old kid that we're getting. But let's hear a little bit of Pop's presser afterwards about Wemby. From what I've seen, uh, I don't think he's going to need a lot from me in handling pressure. You know, he's got a great disposition, Uh, you know, a good combination uh, of uh, intellectual uh, ability and an emotional intelligence at the same time because of all the hype they'll have a target on his back so more than O's and X's to begin with we'll be most interested in setting a framework uh, and an environment where he's comfortable where he can be Victor uh, he's not LeBron or Tim or Kobe or anybody else he's Victor and that's who we want him to be I think it's going to be really interesting how Pop takes the pressure off of him. Because I don't think that Pop, Pop, you know, and you would know better than I, is I don't think Pop's going to come in and, you know, make him be in a situation that is uncomfortable for him. He's going to have that pressure off of him because of what Pop does and how he manages the roster. Yeah, and I was talking with Pop um, last week, and managing expectations is going to be their biggest concern. Um, Pop told me, he said, he said, you know, how how can he be as good as everybody's saying that he is already? He's like, I mean, he's like, he has a chance to be, but he's not right now. And it's like, you know, the expectations are just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And they know how to do how to do this. But what's to me that stuck out about that soundbite was maybe lessons learned with Kawhi Leonard. Um because Tim was very much like David, didn't want interviews, didn't care, wanted, would rather avoid them if possible. Um, and the Spurs kind of protected him from that. Uh, but then in comes Kawhi, whose people wanted all these different things that weren't necessarily the Spurs' way, their own trainers, their own special opinions when it came to his, his knee and all this kind of stuff. And look, I, I was team Spurs throughout that whole thing and still am. I don't think they made very many mistakes. But the Spurs said at the time that they had made some mistakes in their communication with Kawhi and his team. And so when Pop says he's not Tim, he's not LeBron, we want him to be Victor, I'm wondering how much of that is Kawhi's team at the time saying, we're not Tim, 
we're not David. We want to do it a different way. We're out of here. Um, it's almost like lessons learned. Yeah, exactly like lessons learned. And and again, I don't think, you know, I, uh, I'm the anti-Kawhi. Nobody's ripped Kawhi more than me. And, nobody, and nobody's uh, defended Dr. Schmidt and Dr. Sines more than me. Um, with the, you know, they're the two best orthopedic guys in, in the, two of the best in the world. Um, and Kawhi's uncle was to blame for all of it. But the Spurs admit they could have been different, a little different in their communicating. Um, and I don't think they're going to make that mistake with Victor. I think if Victor Wimanyama wants to have his own medical team, wants to have his own PR staff, wants to have his own whatever, I think the Spurs are going to make it possible for him. They're going to have to integrate somehow. Yeah, whereas yeah. maybe before they say, well, no, we do that. We're good, you know. Right. So after that press conference, all the San Antonio media got to ask him one question. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. It was, <laughs> you have no idea how angry I was. It was that. quite silly. However. <laughs> they, they, take, they, take the, they take these guys around for two hours and they give them to, I don't know. Uh, ESPN probably did four or five Pini, separate interviews. Panini cards, you know, collector's cards. What are they? Like trading cards? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. baseball cards? They get interviews with him. Radio gets interviewed with France, and then they come to us and say, "Oh, we might be able to get you a one-on-one locals. Um, we might." And then they come to you guys get. He's tired. He's really tired. He's been doing this for an hour and a half, two hours. He's really tired. You guys get one question each. So my head was about to explode because none of these people are going to be there at practice after a nine-game road trip. Where they go eight, oh, and nine in the middle of February and come back to the to the uh, practice facility yeah, on a, on a Tuesday on morning, it'll be us. Yeah, it'll be Jack Green. It'll be the guys from the other stations in San Antonio and a couple of the beat writers. We're the guys that cover him, and they were going to give us one question. So I was kind of smart. I like in my question. So, question aside, how was it just standing? How tall are you now? Five eleven. How was it standing next to him? Because unlike anything I've ever had to experience, <laughs> and I've stood. And you've interviewed Shaq multiple times. You, oh yeah, you for lack of a better term, discovered Shaq in the eighties. We did. Yeah, we, Channel Four did. Yeah. yeah, you guys discovered Shaq. Bill in the Jones, 80s. I was his intern. Yeah, he was. And interviewing Shaq is much different. Shaq is giant. Um, Yao is giant. I've interviewed Yao one on one. Boban is the most giant. His hands are the biggest. That's for sure. Goes all the way up to your elbow when you shake his hand. Nobody's bigger than Boban, but there's something about this kid that was, I don't know how to say it, it freakier to be standing he's next to. He's an alien. <laughs> there's something about, because his length is, because he's thin, you know, Boban's big everywhere and more proportion because of his height and his build and his length of his arms i mean it was it was incredible i mean he 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 definitely in person sticks out way more than you would think on television I and look really, at that picture look at that picture yeah. of him next to david robinson well the thing is I, so there was that supper picture of him and manu and sean and uh david robinson and, and td manu's six 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 five yeah him. yeah I'm that tall. That's how I would look next to him. Like, I couldn't even believe it. It looked like Manu might as well have been Kevin Hart's size. So, now, uh, Victor told us he's 7'3". Yeah. He goes, I'm not 7'4", I'm not 7'5", I'm 7'3". 
No way. Without basketball shoes on. No way. Da- he's five inches taller than David Robinson, In who is a legitimate seven one. Sure. David's a legitimate seven one. Not like you know some of these other guys who budge. David Robinson is a legitimate seven one, and he's five inches taller than David Robinson. That it's picture. insane. It's insane. So Thursday's done. Friday, he hits on the plane, gets delayed a little bit, comes over uh, to San Antonio to a lot of fanfare, which was impressive from the San Antonio fans. Two hundred. I was out there with them, sweating my butt off. I can't imagine how long, and I wasn't out there as long as they were. Um, Probably 200, 300 fans out there welcoming Wemby in the 110, 112 heat index. Welcoming his brother. Well, yeah. I was going to just, just about to say that. Right when he pulls up, he gets the heroes welcome. You know, the, the water cannons fly off. And whether it was the Spurs organization that set that up or they set it up or whoever. Come on, man. <laughs> it, it, come on, man. You cannot. Well, I guess fans can be guilty of mistaking. But there's a lot different between a 6'5 guy and a 7'5 guy. I, that's what I said. So I'm six, almost 6'6". Six, six. When I was standing there and I saw the brother walk off, uh, Oscar, I believe his name is, yeah. he was wearing uh, Wemby's jersey. Yeah. And he walks off. And as soon as he sets foot on the ground, I'm like, he's not much taller than me, if if any. So I was trying to tell everybody in, in, that would listen, like, that's not him. That's not him. Keep, keep your eyes focused. That's not Wemby. But... Anyhow, the fans, the fans, everybody were thought fooled. everybody thought it was. Yeah. The, the TV stations were the beat writers. Every single person who was there thought. That okay, was so I was asleep because we landed. Um, after, we got two hours of sleep. We landed. And I taped it, and I took a nap. And when I woke up, I I watched the replay, and I was like, "No, no, no, that's not him. That's not him. That's not him." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when Wimby gets off, you obviously everybody sees the difference. Yeah. Now again, I, I had spent some time with him, so I knew exactly how freaky tall he was. <laughs> but I think it's a mistake most people could make. But it was interesting being there because it really had that kind of like Elvis is in the building kind of vibe to it. It was like, wow, yeah, he's here. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. You were here covering the, the sport and covering the Spurs twenty six years ago and uh, thirty six years ago when. Um, David Robinson and uh, Tim Duncan were selected. Obviously, vastly different time. Didn't have social. Didn't have a lot of these things. But how was the fanfare for those two as Tim's, compared to Tim's, what it looked like? Man, I don't know. They're all different. Tim seemed to be the biggest. There were twenty thousand people down in front of the Alamo the day that Tim landed. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, and I think that's why the Spurs avoided having that kind of thing. You know, this one wasn't really publicized. I think there would have been 20,000 people in front of the Alamo had the Spurs. They, I think they kind of wanted to avoid that. So Saturday big, was the big day. Armstrong River Theater, got the press conference, the meet the rookie stuff. Let's play. I'm going to play a story here from uh, one of our reporters who was there at the Arneson. Her name's Jordan Elder. She uh, kind of has the what it was like, especially with CD talking Spanish, which was awesome, and dissing the Mavericks in the same interview, which was also awesome. <laughs> for San Antonio fans, at least. So we'll play that right here. The party is well underway in San Antonio. All for this man right here. Wimby, baby. Yeah, Wimby mania. We're all here for it. Somebody that tall that can do the things he can do. We haven't seen that. All right, what do you like about Wimby? He's tall, and I think he'll help the Spurs to a championship. This is Isaiah Castaneda. He comes from a long line of Spurs lovers, and he's got the proof. 
I was in 97 in front of the Alamo welcoming uh, Tim Duncan with my aunt. And now he's here. He gets to see it for himself uh, to welcome the number one draft pick. Now I'm here to welcome Wemby. All the diehard fans were at the Arneson River Theater today. This is the true fan base right here, guys. Ready to meet the rookies. You can only imagine these young guys coming to a city where they don't really know many people, if, if any, and everyone automatically loves them. We saw that firsthand with C.D. Sissoko, the Spurs' other new player. I was in Dallas, but, uh, you know, like Dallas, I don't like the Mavericks. So. He also revealed he speaks fluent Spanish. But Victor Wembenyama was the man of the day, taking questions at the Arneson and at the AT&T Center. He says he's already tried some of the famous San Antonio breakfast tacos. Bacon and eggs and uh, beans. And this and warm welcome hasn't even noticed. People have been showing me love so far, a lot of love. And uh, I think I can give all this back. To, to the fans, to the community, to the, to the franchise, and to the city. From the airport, to the Arneson, to the AT&T Center, fans are excited to finally welcome Wemby home. And you know, we're Puro San Antonio. This is what we do. Go Spurs, go! Go Spurs, go! Go Spurs, go! Go Spurs, Spurs go! go! What was it? You were at the... You, you know her. I know her, yeah. Oh, she's, okay. she's pretty good at her, I think. That's my wife, for people who don't know. Um... So at the Arneson, you were there, and then you went over to the to the press conference. I wasn't what, at the Arneson. You weren't. Oh, okay. Excuse no, me. You weren't no, at the Arneson. No. What was what was kind of that feeling? They haven't. Done, they don't do meet the rookies like this all the time. <laughs> so uh, what they, was what was they, it they Saturday? Start, like? They started. Uh, they kind of have started that in recent years. They did it, I think, with the with Sohan's crew last year. It, of course, it wasn't. It wasn't like this. Yeah, it wasn't like this. Um, the press conference at the AT&T Center was really well done. and uh, uh, Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All the Spurs staff was on hand, in, uh, and there was probably, you know, 500 people there of Spurs staff. Are you surprised at how quickly CD... Sissoko, who is the 44th pick, also a Frenchman, and Wemby, have been able to kind of endear themselves to the fans already. You had CD, who spoke flu speaks fluent Spanish, probably yeah. speaks better Spanish than he does English at this yeah. point. Spoken French, spoken English. Then you have Wemby, who was gifted tacos on the tarmac yeah. from Tacos Palenque. Like, he, they just feel like they're already here, you know? They feel like they're already Spurs. Yeah, and I mean, that's not... Uh... Unlike it's just the way San Antonio is. That's why people love San Antonio. It's our it's our people. It's our culture. It's our uh, it's the reason that you know when Denver wins a championship, people die and uh, cars are overturned and smoking on fire in Detroit or Houston or anywhere else. And in San Antonio, everybody gets along famously and nobody's injured and it all goes well. And there might be one or two arrests. I mean, it's crazy how San Antonio. Uh, celebrates together, does everything together. 
uh, doesn't matter uh, age or race or ethnicity, north side, south side, east side, west side. Senate, I mean, it's, it's what makes our city great. And, and everybody rallies around the Spurs. And so these guys feel right away. I mean, go back and look at um, – at George Floyd and all that, when when Lonnie Walker and Keldon and these guys are marching with people and cleaning up with people, and um, uh, Keldon was buying gear for Lanier High School and shooting around over there, and guys just walk into communities, people leave you leave them alone and let them do their thing. It's why Manu, Tim, Dave, all these guys. I think when you ask them as rookies where they would live after their careers. Mono would have said Argentina. Tim would have said somewhere else. But no, today they're all here. They're all here because they fall in love with San Antonio and they realize that our people love them and are not going to bug them or try to tear them down. And uh, I think I think Wimby and those other guys, the young guys, feel it right away. Sean said something. Sean Elliott, the uh, TV analyst for the Spurs and uh, champion in 1999, played for the Spurs for, what, 13 years, 12 years? All-star, All sixth All -Star. greatest spur of all time. So uh, he said this. He said that afterwards, after he emceed the Arneson River Theater. Uh, they're spurs. They, they're spurs in, in, in every uh, way that you can imagine. I mean, they're uh, terrific, terrific young men. Uh, they're humble. Uh, they're hard workers. They're talented. And they're both kind of, you know, wise beyond their years. And so it's just really nice to get uh, another couple good young men in here that are so talented. What was it like to see the city of San Antonio show up like this for the, these two kids they've never met before? That's what we do. That's what San Antonio does. I mean, that's why a lot of us are still here. We, we understand it. And uh, if you're here long enough you, or you grew up here, you understand how people in San Antonio operate. So I didn't have any question in my mind that uh, it was going to be a phenomenal turnout. Shout out to my wife, Jordan, for getting that interview, too. So yeah. um, overall. What what are your feelings of this whole week? Like it's been a whirlwind of a week, and I think we were all looking forward to it since the lottery. And now that it's happened, now that it's here, now that we're looking back at this kind of crazy four or five day stretch, what were your overall impressions? Uh, San Antonio has an unbelievable chance not only to get back to be a winning program, but they got a great guy. And I I don't know that CD will make the roster. I don't have any. Uh, projections on his career as a player. I think he's got a great upside. He's a young kid, um, has potential to, to be a good player. Um, but he is definitely uh, a spur, like Sean said. And Wimanyama has a chance to be transformational. And I think the takeaway for me is, despite everybody saying, okay, yeah, they'll be lucky to keep him after his four rookie deal because he's going to want to go to New York or L.A., I don't think so. I think he has the same uh, makeup, character-wise, of David and Tim. They have, they all have different personalities, but David, coming out of Navy, could have gone anywhere. He was an unrestricted free agent, and he stayed with the team that drafted him. Tim, after winning a championship in '99 was an unrestricted free agent and almost went to Orlando, but it was pop and the culture that kept him here. And I think because of who Wimby is, now after kind of somewhat getting to a glimpse of who he is as a human being, I think 
I think there's a good chance he's a he's a 15 year spur, um, despite his star power, uh, and I think that's only because of who he is. I think he's going to be a loyal person. I think he's going to be um, receptive. Uh, I think he's as grounded as you can be for as popular as he is, because this kid is he's not Michael Jordan. He's he's Beyonce. He's Taylor Swift. He's He's otherworldly. International megastar. He's an annual, yeah, and and you would think that that wouldn't do well in San Antonio. That that's San Antonio is too small for that. But because of who he is, I think it's not. And what we, uh, I think he'll be comfortable here. I think what we also learned is that uh, San Antonians can really understand people through their accents after Tony and Manu and now Wemby and, oh, C- yeah. and CD and Boris and oh, by all, the these, way, all these players. A lot, a lot of people have asked me on social media, "Where was Tony? Where was Tony at the dinner?" And uh, you got to understand, Tony doesn't live here. Tony lives <laughs> in France. And uh, that's why Tony wasn't there. What kind of wine do you think Pop was drinking at that, at that dinner in Bliss? I, I, it was very good. <laughs> I, l- was, I looked at the menu. It was scallops and, uh, and uh, octopus and uh, a lot of other foie gras. They had some foie gras there. I'm oh, sure they on the menu? At, or at, I, at Bliss when they had that dinner. It was a day. It was a it was a day of menu or you were looking at the regular menu. Uh, Cause I think whatever they got at the chef's table was off special, the menu. Special. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on Thursday, we're going to have a, the next podcast. That's the end of this one. Um, we'll get into the future of Wemby here in San Antonio. Kind of what uh, Don was just alluding to we'll talk about the introductory press conferences, summer league that's upcoming. What yeah, Don's the kinda... summer league, by the way, I don't expect him to play in Sacramento. Yeah. He'll probably wait till Vegas. He's got a lot of stuff to do, and he's been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, And what Don's kind of hearing from around this organization, kind of like that little tidbit. Uh, Quick reminder, if you you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, uh, the YouTube version will have video elements like the package, and it'll have videos of these press conferences and all that stuff. Um, So if you want to watch there, you can. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, then resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. It helps us out a lot. Give us a five-star rating. Give us some feedback. We'll read it out. Uh, Once we get some, we'll read it out on the pod. But uh, that's all we got. Don, get some sleep after Sports Sunday tonight. Peace out. uh, (laughs) We'll see you on Thursday.